So tonight um, we are talking about words of knowledge um, from the Holy Spirit. But before I get into the details of that, I just wanted to back the track up a little bit for those of you who haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks when we've been talking about Pentecost. So yeah, just wanted to do a little recap for us. So we had Pentecost Sunday together a couple of weeks ago, and Alana and I um, shared on that day. And then last week, Tommy shared about gifts from the Spirit in general. So some of the things that we've been seeing and learning um, from this is that the Holy Spirit is given to us, um, and when the Spirit shows up, things are a bit wild. And the reason for that is because the Spirit takes us out of the realm of what we could do ourselves. The Holy Spirit enables us um, to do things that would be outside of our kind of natural skills or abilities, so supernatural. Um, So in the story of um, Pentecost Day in the early church when the disciples of Jesus were hanging out in Jerusalem and um, waiting for the Spirit, um, they were enabled to speak languages that they couldn't speak. And that was so that they could um, connect with the context um, around them, connect with visitors that were in Jerusalem. So God um, enabled them to do things they couldn't normally do to fit the context around them to connect with those people. That's one thing. The Holy Spirit um, is given to us, another thing we're learning, and that it's actually the relationship that's a gift. So the Holy Spirit comes and there's a gift in the relationship. And that is because God wants to be on team with us in a deeply personal way. And so the, the first thing is always relationship as a gift. Um, There's this thing in Friday prayers, um, which I love, which says, Jesus, you are the giver and the gift. And um, Charlotte Dawson was making some good chat about that the other day, of like Jesus being in a box and then kind of comes out of the box and then gives you a box, but he's also in the box and it's kind of, it's very meta. Um, But yeah, Jesus, you are the giver and the gift. And um, the first gift is relationship. And out of that, other gifts flow. And anybody that has a friend or someone that um, they connect with knows that. But the, the, the original gift is, um, you know, the relationship. And then there's other gifts of like, oh, you make me laugh. Or you give me, like, really great advice. Or you're really great to go shopping with because you always compliment me. You know, whatever. Um, there's other gifts that come from the relationship. But the first gift is always relationship. And then Alana um, shared with us on Pentecost Sunday that the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we get to share in God's abundance. The Spirit enables us to share God's power, God's skills, God's abilities, and for those to flow through us to the people around us. So Lance was sharing about the feeding of the 5,000 and how um, Jesus says to the disciples, oh, what have you got to bring? And they're like, um, we've got like kind of a little bit of bread and some fish. And then he was like, yep, that'll do. I will add to that. And then give it back to you to give out to the others. So God blesses and adds to what they already have and enables them to do more. So there's this abundance that comes. Um, We share in God's abundance. And then last week, um, Tommy shared with us that all of us are given gifts in Christ. No one gets forgotten. No one gets excluded. God is actually like Oprah Winfrey. It's like, you get a gift. You get a gift. Everybody gets a gift. All of us in Christ are given gifts. And um, Tommy brought this, this kind of metaphor that gifts are not an ornament to sit on the shelf and gather dust. They're not just like, oh, this is nice for me to have. Um, but they're actually tools and they are meant to be used and they actually get sharpened and honed with use. So they're dynamic. 
The gifts are dynamic, and we are empowered differently in each context to use those gifts. And so that's, that's what we've been on so far, and this week we're coming to um, the gift of words of knowledge. So I'm going to read to you guys from 1 Corinthians 12. It opens up with this. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way that is good for all. To some, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. Now, a little side thing I want to stop us on, um, which is not a main point, so that we can kind of make this a three-point sermon, um, but it's significant. I want to know here how inclusive this is. It is significant that this text, um, which is written around like AD 55, um, written by a man who had been educated in a system which excluded women, writes, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is given to each of us for the good of all. Like, let's not forget or lose the power of that. That is incredibly powerful. In an era where women were not taught how to read or write or just so, so much other stuff was going on, Jesus came and hung out with women and said, yep, they're in my ministry too. Yep, these people matter and they um, have power and agency and actually I'm going to work with them and empower them. Um, That same spirit gets drawn into the story of the early church where they're saying the Holy Spirit um, is going to be given to all people, brothers and sisters. All gifts are given for the good of all. And so that's the first thing I want to note about spiritual gifts, that there's a oneness within the manyness of them. Like different players on the same sports team, where you've kind of got different talents and like roles that you play, because like sports, you'd have like roles that you're playing kind of sports. Um, but you're, you're all working towards a common goal. They're all on the same team. This is the only time you'll hear me give a sports metaphor. Um, does it even specify the sport, just sports? Um, <laughs> which reminds me a few years ago, um, living in a um, chapter house in Lyle Bay, we had a flatmate who really was into sports and everyone else in the flat just wasn't. And for his birthday, we made him a cake and just put an M&M's across the front. Sports. <laughs> so everybody on the team has a common goal. They have different locations on the field and they have different talents and abilities that they bring. Um, but they are working towards a common thing. And when they win, it's not the glory of one player. Like when someone's playing well, it's not about them. It's about the whole team. And that's how spiritual gifts work as well. So words of knowledge, getting even more actually close to talking about the content. Um, I want to read to us from Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, because I think this is really um, gives us a little bit more of the heart of what is words of knowledge and wisdom about. So this is, um, I guess, this beautiful thing where Paul is saying, like, I actually really petition God to ask that God would give you these gifts. Like, they're saying, these are important and these are special, and I keep asking God for you, the crew in Ephesus, um, that God would pour out this gift on you. So Paul says, I keep asking that the God and Lord of our Saviour Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
And I think that's significant because the gift isn't given so that um, the wisdom could be kind of flashed around, um, so that these people could perform their Christianity better, or so that they could be more powerful and um, better than the next town or better than the next business or whatever, or that they could be really cool and brainy and flaunt that. The, the core focus is that they would be given revelation to really know Jesus. A few weeks ago, Scotty um, shared this sermon with us, and the line that stood out to me from it was, everything God does is to show who God is. Which, yeah, I've been chewing over for quite a while, and I guess um, I really want to bring that to us tonight, that the gifts are given that we would know God better, not just that we would have a flashy thing we can do, but that we would connect with the Father's heart, we would connect with God's heart, that gifts are given um, so that we would be drawn into deeper relationship. All, get, all gifts lead to the Father's heart. And, yeah, in this, in this um, sermon that Scotty shared, um, he was talking about God's heart of love towards us. And I just want to um, read a quote here from a guy called Sean. It was a, yeah, there was a few of us that went to this um, conference that he was speaking at and dynamic speaker and had just an amazing, amazing gift of like words of knowledge, like just so incredible, incredible to the point where I bought his book um, and the book is really great, but it's one of those things where um, somebody that you kind of, how to say this nicely, this is really digression. <laughs> Okay, you know some of those people where you learn from just being in their presence, but if they were trying to like break down their process, it kind of wouldn't work because they're kind of just a bit all over the place. Like the book is a little bit stream of consciousness, and like so you're kind of like, what are you saying here, Sean? Um, but I really was like, I'm going to read this book because having heard him speak um, and see him kind of just have, yeah, we'll come to that later. Um, I was like, you are really um, blessed by God to have this gift of knowledge, so I'm going to read your book. Anyway. The thing that he hammers on about in this book, um, and the thing that we hear from what Paul says when he writes to the church in Ephesians, is that the core focus is one of love. Um, so I'm going to read this quote. As we focus on a life of love through Christ, there has to be a basic culture of our hearts that believes the best about his plans for humanity. This doesn't mean we have to put a positive spin on everything, but we do have to have a heart quality that believes God is everywhere and he wants to bring everything on his earth into his heart. Everyone who is still living is worthy of his love. And so the, the challenge that he really lays down is that it's a, the gift of um, words of knowledge is about knowing Jesus deeply and about connecting with the heart of God deeply and through that, seeing the world with the Father's heart. Seeing, kind of like putting on the sunglasses of God so that you are seeing everything through this lens of God's love. Everything with the lens of God's love. And so this is the challenge we have as, as followers of Jesus, to start to see the world as Jesus did and to cultivate, um, I guess, a culture of our spirit where we celebrate God's work in ourselves and we celebrate it in other people and we celebrate it in the world. To start to see people as Jesus did. 
and to speak to people as Jesus did. So words of knowledge flow from the space of love and from this radical belief in the worthiness and the loveliness of another. So seeking after words of knowledge for someone has to come from a desire to bless them, not to have power over them. And to specifically listen for what Jesus' heart is towards that person. And then to have the courage to share it. Now, some of you might have heard this yarn from me already because it's kind of what's on top at the moment. But I've um, just finished reading a book. Yay! I'm so bad at finishing reading. Um, And, yeah, the book's called Love Beyond Reason. And in it, um, uh, the guy talks about envy, which is not a word that gets thrown around much other than food envy. Like, literally, that's the only time I've heard the word envy pulled out in the last, like, ever. Um, And, yeah, he was talking about um, envy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what's going on. And I hadn't realised it. So, if you're like me and haven't really thought about envy as a, like, actually sinister thing in the world. I'm just going to frame this up. So he was talking about, say you get along to um, a show and, and someone's, like, playing some music and there's an epic singer. And they're singing so beautifully. But as you're listening to them, you're like, oh, man, they are a way better singer than me. And that's... And you're kind of like, ah, oh, I wish I had what they had. That's jealousy. But to then think, ah, oh, man, like... I wish they didn't sing so well because I feel threatened by how well they sing. That's envy. So not just wanting what the other person has, but wanting to pull them down because you feel threatened by it. And I was like, oosh, this is tall poppy syndrome. This is, this is what's going on as an undercurrent, I think, in New Zealand, that we feel threatened and insecure um, by seeing other people flourishing in things. And there's something that can rear up in us which wants to pull them down. And I was like, man, that is so sad. That's envy. And that's so destructive. It's destructive because um, we kind of talk ourselves down, but we talk other people down in that process. Um, and that, that isn't God's heart. And we need freedom from that. Like I was thinking about this around um, just to take the kind of, um, yeah, a, a few years ago I did a, a course at uni, and um, as part of that was doing a, um, a Māori kind of environmental paper, and um, most of the paper was actually around looking at Pākehā, because there's a lot of Pākehā kids in the course, um, Pākehā and Māori, like, worldviews, and about Pākehā identity and how, in order to understand anything, you have to kind of understand that you have a worldview. And um, part of that learning was around, I guess, realising that for some people, um, other people doing well, and in, in this example, Māori um, thriving in their identity, for some Pākehā feels threatening. Like, oh, you're taking up space, therefore I've got less space, and therefore I feel threatened or I feel challenged. But rather than seeing like you being strong in your identity um, is actually good for me, that actually makes us stronger together. You see how those, those things are very different? And that is a lens of envy. And I think... I just really challenge you guys to like think about that because I had not thought about that before um, and was just like, shit, this is everywhere. <laughs> um, but we, we need freedom from this if we're going to have a heart to bless others. To be able to say, I see you, person, 
and you're amazing, and I see God in you, requires us to be able to see past the things that rub us up the wrong way about somebody. It requires us to see past um, things that might actually just be a mirror back to our own insecurities. So, so we, need, um, we need God's heart for the other person and we need God's heart for us to operate um, in this gift of love. But God is inviting us to that and God is, is so good for that work. God invites us to put on his glasses and to have his way of seeing the world. God invites us to put on his mind and to have the process of God, like have the ways of thinking about things, to have our, our minds renewed to be like God. God invites us to become like Christ, to have the thoughts and the perceptions and the empathy of God flow through us. And to be able to move to a place where we are able to ask God, God, what are your hopes for this person? Like, what, are, what are the purposes or the dreams you would have for this person? What do you love about them? What do you love about Ty? What do you love about Richard? And to say, God, I'm, I'm prepared to see those things. I want to see what you love about this person. Show me more than what I can see. What have you given them that's good? What have you given them that I can call out and I can name and I can bless? So if we fully invest in loving people well and in asking God for his heart for them, we will get words for those people because God does want to share his heart for people. So remember this, all gifts flow out of the Father's heart of love, and God is longing to share that heart and that way of seeing with us. To see what God sees, to hear what God hears, and to speak what God speaks, so we can all love the way that God loves. Sean Bowles says this, Revelation is given to us so that we can carry a piece of God's heart from eternity into now. So that's kind of point one. <laughs> so succinct. Focus strength top five, obviously. Um, so who do you guys who here knows John Farnham, the musician? Okay, so good. Um, so I was cranking some John Farnham this morning, that song. We're all someone's daughter. We're all someone's son. Come on, sing it. How long can we look at each other? Boom, boom, boom. Don't I bear our love again? Yeah. So I just so encourage you. Oh, so that's what you get. That's what you get. That's the main. That's the main point. We're all someone's daughter. We're all someone's son. Yeah, Sam's just trying to make the wave happen. So good. Um, I would encourage you guys all to listen to that song this week and meditate on that. We are all someone's daughter. We are all someone's son. <laughs> or if, if kind of upbeat 80s kind of prophetic, big-haired kind of rock, isn't your scene? Um, John Foreman has a song um, called Somebody's Baby, which has a, a, like a sad, sad chorus of Somebody's baby, somebody's baby girl. And it's, it's a very sad song about someone that's in distress. 
Um, so you could also meditate on that. But I want us to remember that this, like, this is this kind of profound thing that people come back to, that like, children come into the world and um, are like, precious and vulnerable and don't have a grid for hate, but we get stuck in these patterns of hatred and just shittiness towards each other, right? Like, we, we all know this. But God's heart is to actually break down those world, break down those walls that divide us. And I think, um, yeah, Jesus says in Matthew five, "You've heard it said, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven." And that's not about earning your right as a child, but it's about living fully into that identity of being kind of in the likeness of God, being God's children. We're given authority and identity as God's children. Um, We're inheritors to to God's estate. And there are ways of um, living on the family farm, if we're going to go with that kind of inheritors to the estate metaphor. Like, there's there's kind of a a way of, like, this is how it's good to be, living here. And that is to live in love and not in hate. And I guess, yeah, when we're we're on team with God, God is going to want to dismantle hatred in us and um, insecurity in us. um, And, yeah, really doesn't want to tolerate division between us. And so that's why I bring that John Farnham song, because I think that remembering of, like, everybody was once a baby, (laughs) and everybody is loved by somebody, and in fact, all people are loved by God, and to capture, recapture that is really, really important, and really um, what God invites us to. Here we sing, um, you make us one, we're your body, we were once far off, but you broke down the walls that divide So Jesus has torn down the walls in a big, big way. The walls between us and God have been overcome by Christ. But each day, man, we as humans are doing a really good job of just trying to build some walls again (laughs) Um, between each other and between different neighborhoods and between countries. Um, But God is still at that work of breaking down those walls. And we are on team with God to be people who break down walls. And our, our tools are the gift of the Spirit. And our way is love. And our lead is taken from Jesus. Sean B. has this to say about this. <laughs> I realise that we can talk negatively about our leaders. We can, we can slag off our president or pop stars or people from other religions. And the reason we do that is because maybe we we don't think we have authority. When you don't have authority, you realize, or when you realize you do have authority, um, you realize that those people you're speaking about will hear you and will be hurt by you. And so they'll actually be shut off from you if you come into conversation with them. And I guess something I've noticed in myself and in other people is um, when I feel powerless, or when I've seen other people feel powerless, that's often when we grab onto hate. It's like a mechanism of like, this is at least one thing I can influence. Um, So whether that's like, you know, your tyrannical landlords, 
and you're just like talking bad about them, or that person that cut you off in the in the queue, or someone you vehemently disagree with. Like it's really easy to just resort and just to go to like bad vibes, looking at the negative and like hate in those situations where we don't don't feel like we've got power. But Jesus calls us to love our enemies and to bless and pray for those who persecute us. And so instead of um, having that posture of hate or just like towards people, um, Jesus invites us to pick up a posture of blessing. Yeah, that's right. Jesus didn't say slag off your enemies. He said bless your enemies. Um, and yeah, it can be easy for our hearts to go hard but and kind of go like, huh, towards different people. But I guess my encouragement is um, God invites us to have soft hearts and to have them renewed in love and to see each other in love. And to remember that we live in, a, in an environment of spiritual warfare where God says our battle isn't against flesh and blood but against the powers and principalities. And so it's, it's um, yeah, not to get caught up in the kind of the person but to remember that aspect. God invites us to love others, to bless them, and to be about enemy love. And in doing so, create a way for love and transformation that's God, that God's heart might speak through us and in our actions in the world. We need to have the heart to love first because God might just use us to actually transform the lives of our enemies. Like We're actually given that authority and God might send us into that space and I don't know about you, but it is awkward if you have been talking someone down and then they walk into the room or you're in a conversation with them and you realise like, oh, that was actually stick and now I'm, in, I'm, now I'm face-to-face with you. Um, yeah. Awkward. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so the prophetic sees people in their full value. And when there's so much passion for God's heart towards them, our hearts have a hard time focusing on the negative. So, yeah, I just want to go from here into a few different examples and get a little bit more detailed around this and how this might look. Um, Because some of you might be sitting here being like, okay, there's like loving people and then like speaking like good vibes into the world and not hate. But how does that connect into having insight from God? And so I want to just give a few different examples, and I'm going to invite Zoe up to share some stories as well, around how this stuff could look. And you guys might be like, oh, I've actually had that happen. That's cool. Um, And I think where we've had this, my hope tonight is that um, this will kind of name some things that might be going on for people and being like, oh, actually, I have that gift, or that's a thing I can relate to, or that's something I want, and I want to seek after that. And so... Some ways that this gift of of knowledge and wisdom can come is um, through having a particular sense about something, just like a a vibe or a kind of knowing. An example I wanted to give of that for for me was um, at the start of 2012, I just had this sense of like, this is going to be a year of grief. And I felt like that was from God, and I was a little bit scared about it, but I, I kind of felt like... God's not telling me this so that I'm scared. God's telling me this so that I can invite other people to pray alongside me this year and to, um, yeah, just to, to reach out and be more proactive in getting support. And um, 2012 was quite a hard year. 
Um, and it wasn't the things that I kind of thought that would be hard, but it was a hard year. Um, and so I just had this sense at the start of the year, and actually there was a kindness in that. Um, it was a, a knowing that I couldn't have known other than God giving me the heads up um, because God cares about me. Um, another thing that I found so liberating around um, this, and Sean B. talks about this in his book, um, is that our, in our walk with God, it's not just about our spiritual eyes, but it's actually about our physical eyes and our physical senses, and God is speaking through our physical selves. And I think that's so empowering and so awesome. And so something he suggests we can kind of look into more with God is um, when you're walking down the street and something catches your eye, just actually opening up a dialogue with God about that. Being like, oh, I'm noticing this particular person or this particular thing. That's cool. Like, da-da-da-da-da. And actually use that as an entry point into conversation with God because the gifts of the Spirit are relational. God wants... Um, anything that kind of stirs in us to be an entry point into conversation with him so that we can get more um, more knowledge, more insight. Um, and I guess a, a cool thing I wanted to share around this is um, who here has been to um, the Cuba flat, the Cuba chapter flat? Cuba Put your hand up really high. All right, so a lot of, a lot of people. Um, so at Blueprint, we have some community flats. And... I think, how long how long's the crew been at Cuba? Five years? Six years? This is the sixth year. Okay, so about like nine years ago, the guy that was leading Blueprint at the time, Jeremy, um, walked past uh, the, Cuba fl- the Cuba flat, and it kind of grabbed his attention, and he was like, God, huh, and started praying about, oh, it would be really cool to have a flat here. And... He just noticed it and then started talking to God about it and then kept talking to God about it. And then like three years later, the opportunity came up, Jesse was there, um, uh, to actually move into that flat. And it had already been, that process had already been so soaked in prayer um, before that. Another story around physically seeing something and that being an entry point to conversation is... um, in October last year, I was at Zoe's house, um, and I think it was for your birthday, but anyway, um, and we were talking about like, oh, chapters next year, blah, 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 and at the time, um, at the time I was living in Kensington Street, and it was great, and we loved that flat, we're like, we want to live here forever, um, and little did we know, in a month they were going to say, nah, the lease is over, we're not renewing it, you guys can jog on, which is... Just so unexpected. Like, who does that? We're such good tenants. Anyway, I was at Zoe's house, and we were talking about chapters. And as I left Zoe's house, I looked across the road at the house I now live in and just caught my eye. And I was like, I wonder who lives there. I wonder what it's like to live there. I wonder how much rent they pay. And it's like, oh, look, it's right next to Arnold Park. There's a fig tree. I love figs. Um, And just like, I just noticed our house. And um, just... Like, I, it was just this kind of noticing, and then it was like, oh, la, la, la. And then talking to God about it. We had this prayer weekend that weekend. Um, and now we live in that house, which is just so buzzy, because I started a conversation with God about it just because it kind of caught my attention. And I think that that's, um, 
yeah, that's often the way things go. Like you'll you'll just maybe um, another another example I want to give is that God gives us discernment. So say you're walking down the street and you see someone hunched over and crying. You, all of us here, would have the skills to recognize that person doesn't look all good. They look sad. That's like your natural ability. That can be an entry point into conversation of like God. You love this person. I'm noticing they're looking sad and they are hunched over and crying. God, is there anything else that you would like want me to notice or like know about them? Or like, could you um, want to speak a word of encouragement or something? And we take our natural discernment and insight and then we enter into dialogue with God and say, God, your heart is for love. I'm open to seeing your heart of love, hearing your heart of love for this person. Is there something extra that you would want to say? you would want to show me some insight that you would want to give me for this person. And so it's this combination of using what we have, our natural seeing, our natural feeling, our natural thought processes, our relationship with the Spirit, and our willingness to um, yeah, be a vessel of God's love in the world. Um, and that might look like a really specific um, piece of information about that person. Old Sean B., was just so wild for this, eh? Um, just an example that I wanted to share with you guys. I know this is going on a long time. Sorry, this is, this is welcome back. Um, <laughs> um, but I just found this amazing. I thought it was so helpful that he shared this process. So he was standing up the front, and he would be talking and giving his sermon, and then he would just stop and kind of be like, this was in a room with, like, probably 3,000 people. And... Um, he was like, is there anyone here with the last name Shark or Sharky? And then someone like up the back was like, yeah, that's, that's me. And then they stood up and then he was just like, and also this, and also this. And then just went on to like have insight of all this incredibly specific stuff about his life and then kind of prophesied over him. But he shared that the reason he thought of Shark was because his little daughter was really into Baby Shark. And as he was giving the sermon, the song Baby Shark and the image of Baby Shark came into his mind. And he was like, this is how God talks to me. It's like through quirky as stuff. And it's like God uses our knowing. God uses what we've got and is like this. So God's like, baby shark, baby shark. And he's like, I'm giving a sermon, God. You know, and there's like, baby shark, baby shark. It's like, okay, all right, is there someone shark? And then... The guy's like, yeah. And then after that initial step of faith, because that's a step of faith, like that's even when you're the speaker with the words of knowledge, like that's still high stakes. And then he was like, okay, this, okay, this, and kind of could go from there. And so just to encourage you that God knows how we're made and knows all those things. And just to, to play around and to explore with, with that. Um, yeah, and because you've heard enough from me, I'm going to invite Zoe up at this point just to share some stories. Give it up. Hi. Um, yeah, so I have a couple of stories to share. Um, the first one is an example of God um, having a word of knowledge for me, uh, through me, not through anybody else. Um, and <laughs> I think that that's um, kind of in this particular example um, I was saying to Rose, I don't think I would have taken it seriously if it were from anybody else. Um, so, a couple of years ago, probably around this time of year, um, I was at church and 
Scotty gave a sermon that I <laughs> had heard from him before, and I was like, well, I know this one. <laughs> um, but I remember the first time I heard it was, like, very poignant, and then this other time that I heard it, I was like, ooh, yeah, um, so good, again. Um, and during the worship time, I um, was praying and, or just kind of, you know, worshipping, um, and I heard, I sort of felt from God um, this kind of message, which was that um, that Ty and I were going to get married, and it was going to be sooner um, than my family would be comfortable with, um, <laughs> which was, I was like, okay, um, and felt quite challenged about that, um, and... Um, but also felt quite like solid about it um, and I think that's yeah I think that's like because that came from God that was why I felt solid about it and um, and sure enough October I don't know how many months later um, from the time that it was we were ready figuring out rings figuring out dates all these things ready to get engaged and my I talked to my parents about it before it actually happened and yeah, they were like, they were very concerned <laughs> on the phone with my brother from America, oh, like talking to my mum every day on my lunch break. Lots of like, your mother's been up all night crying. From my <laughs> and I get like, oh. <laughs> very solid in it and had thought about it and prayed about it and sat with it for a while and known that 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 time would be really hard and I needed to kind of be obedient in that time. Mm. Yeah. Um, and my second story um, is from a time uh, that <laughs> Rose has just alluded to, um, which was first year of Huber Street. Um, and it was sort of, Rose had... Um, been hanging out kind of at our flat a little bit that year, um, kind of coming to Blueprint a little bit, but she was quite heavily involved in another church. Um, and But we were friends. We'd been friends for a while. And um, that's the context for you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Um, and so anyway, it was discernment time. Um, we were figuring out discernment because um, it was very sort of early days for all this stuff. And I felt, um, yeah, I felt to pray for Rose during that time. Um, and so I did. And I remember she kind of had a couple of options on the table. And one of them was to move to Lyle Bay. And, and one of them was to stay in her current place and kind of step up in leadership, question mark. Yeah. And, um, and Rose, during the month um, of October, decided that no, she was going to stay in the place that she was currently in, and she felt like that was the right decision. And I kind of felt like, mm, nah. Um, and I think it's tricky with these things, because um, in our relationships with our friends, sometimes we want to make, a, make their decisions for them, which we can't do, um, or tell them what to do, which is not necessarily helpful or the right thing to do. Um, and so I kind of was like, hmm, 
disappointing and like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, and, and kept on like feeling this prompt um, around it. Um, and then I had this word. Um, it's okay if I share it. Yeah. Um, and I did actually check that one. Just double checking. Um, which was that I felt that God wanted Rose to have a chance to be a younger sister. Um, and I found it hard because I was like, oh, I know Rose, and I know Rose's life, and I know the people in Lyle Bay, and I know kind of the situation there, and I kind of was like, oh, am I just like deciding that this is a good idea? Um, but it kind of felt, yeah, it felt like a prompt, and so I passed that on to Rose, and she prayed some more, and yeah, spoiler alert, she moved into Lyle Bay. Yeah. Great story. Thanks, Zoe. Woo. just to like share the receiving side of that um I was yeah really like embroiled in decision making and um so always would like really um I was like I was having the conversation with God over here on like a logistical level and on a, like what I should do level mm-hmm. and then God was like I see your need I see where you are and I want to invite you to this and I was like oh thank you this is actually what I need um and yeah the rest is history um So yeah, thank you for sharing that. But just to say that like, when we know people and we know the context of their lives, it can be harder for us to discern the voice of God because we're questioning, is this me? Is this you, God? Um, And so whether it's with a stranger, that's scary, that's tricky. Whether it's with um, someone close, that's scary, that's tricky. Like all of this is tricky, but it's about dialogue um, with God um, and and hearing and receiving um, from God. So does anyone have any questions? Yeah, question time for the room at large. Oh. That's okay. All good. Oh, yeah, Jess? Is this sermon recorded? It sure is. <laughs> this booty, oh my word, such a long sermon, I'm sorry. Um, cool. We're going we're gonna to leave the sermon there.